Welcome to Out of the Box Radio with me, your host, Christine Blasdale. Out of the Box Radio is a weekly podcast of audible ear candy dedicated to bringing a fresh perspective on this thing that we call life. And each and every week, we're going to be diving into the topics that matter most with lively conversations on issues such as health, wellness, and transformational healing, all with the goal of creating a better world and becoming a happier human being. I will be your tour guide for this epic adventure, and each and every week we're going to be embarking on a journey with the ultimate goal being transformation to our highest potential. And now, let's get out of the box. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Out of the Box with Christine. I am your host, Christine Blasdale, and I am really uh, very happy that you joined us today because we have a very special program, and I have on uh, on the air with me today Massimo Mazzucco, and we're talking to him from Italy. Is that where you are, Massimo? Italy? Yes, that's where I am. That's where I am. Last time we talked, I was in Los Angeles. Now I'm in Italy. I'm actually in the very south of Italy, by the very bottom of the boot, so to speak. Yeah. It's it, the best, the closest place I could find to California. <laughs> and Massimo, Massimo Mazzucco is an award-winning uh, Italian filmmaker who has done so many amazing documentaries over the lifespan of his career. And he has focused in on the last few years that I'm aware of, has focused in on some document, some very powerful documentaries that we're going to talk about. But um, in this program, we are going to talk about, because of what's happening in the news right now, too, we know that there's saber rattling going on with the United States and, and Iran, uh, talking about another yet another war. And oh my goodness, there's been a you know has been an attack uh, on a ship, and it just sounds awfully familiar to me, Massimo. And um, the work that you've done, uh, you've done this incredible documentary series called "The Great Lies of History," and I just thought it would be really important and valuable for our listeners to hear about just a few of the lies that uh, have been perpetrated against not only America, but um, the world in general uh, on a lot of different subjects. So welcome, Massimo Mazzucco, to Out of the Box with Christine. Well, Christine, thanks for having me. Uh, to summarize my, my <laughs> documentary career in a few words, it's, it's not easy, but I'll, I'll, go, I'll try and go very fast. First of all, the, the, the main focus of my research in the last uh, 12, 14 years has been uh, 9-11, as you know. Yes. Uh, that has, to me, has, I have always considered that the, the, uh, the mother of all lies. Because if you understand exactly what happens on September 11, then you might even understand what is going on today. And like you said, for example, this crisis now uh, with Iran, it's, it's a, certainly something that uh, should not be happening again. I mean, we're, we're, we're witnessing again the same kind of uh, dynamics, the same kind of antics that were used to spike up a war before. And, and we know how that's done. And uh, if more people were more careful and, and did not listen to only one side of the story, you would probably get a more balanced world altogether because uh, this is becoming a dangerous game now. As you say, you call it rat, rattlesnaking or something like that. But uh, it's becoming very dangerous. But that's one, one of the topics I covered in the September 11. Uh, I did actually three films. One was only in Italian. It was broadcast by Italian television uh, 10 years ago. 
and it started a whole huge debate on September 11 here in Italy. But then I did two more. One is called the American, the New American Century, which looks at the background, not so much at the facts of 9-11, but at the background of the neocons, their history, and what could have been the, the alternative source to what we are used to here. It was an Islamic attack on, on our country. After that, I made also uh, one, I think, possibly the most important film in, in terms of research called uh, Cancer, The Forbidden Cures, yes. because it, it uh, reveals how many, 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 many different cures have been found in, in the last 100 years, uh, natural cures uh, with, against cancer, which have been either suppressed, forgotten, or distorted altogether by the, the, the official medicine because, of course, they, they're not, uh, you cannot make any money out of a natural product, so they're not interested in that. Another one that I made is called The True History of Marijuana, which basically shows how the entire problem of the, of the prohibition of marijuana had very little, if anything at all, to do with the drug aspect of the plant. And it had almost everything to do with the industrial aspect of the plant. You know, in 100 years ago, we could make uh, food, combustibles, paper, uh, te uh, textiles, a lot, a lot of things from cannabis and for the new petrochemical uh, industry to grow, it was necessary to get rid of the cannabis plant altogether. So they used the demonization of marijuana, uh, of, of the actual flower of the plant, uh, in order to, to remove the entire plant from, from, from the market, basically. I did another uh, documentary called The Second Dallas, which looks up close into the assassination of Robert Kennedy. By looking at that film, you do realize that Sirhan Sirhan, the convicted murderer, was definitely not the person who killed Robert Kennedy, and I'm, I'm not going to be a spoiler here, but you even get to find out who really killed him, in fact, uh, watching that film. Uh, then I made my last effort on, on September 11 again, called September 11, The New Pearl Harbor, which is a, actually a five-hour documentary that summarizes basically the entire 12-year-long debate uh, worldwide on, 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 on the September 11 issue. It presents both sides of the, of the argument, both the, the so-called conspiracy theorists argument and both the so-called debunkers, so those who actually support the official version. So basically, if you look at that documentary, yes, you spend five hours, but you get a whole entire idea of what the whole debate has been about in the last 12 years. And then the last one I made is called American Moon. This is brand new, right? This is the, this is, uh, this, it was just put out just this year. Yes, uh, and this is about actually the, the, the so-called or the hypothetical moon hoax theory. So the, well, look, it looks at the fact of whether we went to the moon or not 50 years ago. And uh, I must say that after all the research I've made, I've come to the conclusion that no, we did not go, <laughs> that it was faked. But I have, uh, <clears throat> I have uh, looked into it, into it in detail from a professional point of view, because in my early part of my life, I was a fashion photographer. And I could look at the uh, Apollo pictures uh, with, with the professional's eyes. So this is more... It wasn't really born out of my, call it the, my conspiracy uh, part of my, my personality. It was really born out of a professional uh, criti uh, angle of mm -hmm. what I saw in those pictures. As a professional, I did realize that those pictures, those pictures were impossible on the moon. Anyway, we can talk about that later more if you want. Yeah, no. This and is basically my, my filmography in the last uh, 10 years that I've made. 
And of course, with the 50th anniversary of the the, the supposed the moon landing, <laughs> there's going to be, um, of course, a lot of media coverage on 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 all of this. And the the film that you have have put out looks at both. Again, this is what I love about the the documentaries that you do too. You don't just take the perspective of this is what I believe, and I'm going to just tell you this is uh, this is how it is. You you show what the what the official narrative is if it's from either the government or particular agencies or the media. This is what we've been told. And this is what I love about all of the films in the the Great Lies of History um, genre is that you say, this is what we've been told. And this is the other side. This is what other people, same thing with with, um, the second Dallas and who killed RFK. We were told this is what happened. We were told so many things about John F. Kennedy and his assassination and and Martin and Malcolm. (laughs) You you know, the list just goes on and on. But um, you also have the other side. And so they're, they're, they're sort of presented side by side and you let the viewer look at that and go, oh boy. (laughs) <laughs> well, yeah, let's, say, let's put it this way. I don't have the arrogance to say what the truth is. I only have the, the I only allow myself to go as far as denouncing what I think it's a lie. So if I can pinpoint a lie, then it's it's up to each of us to decide what the truth actually was. You know, I, I don't have that that arrogance, as I said, to say this is what happened on 9-11. I can certainly tell you what did not happen. That's uh relatively easier to do if you talk if you tell me for example that those buildings were were uh, collapsed the, the the twin towers collapsed because of the fires i can prove to you that that is not the case from there to saying who actually did it and why that's up to the viewer i leave it uh, for for decision yes well and that's and there's your documentary filmmaking you know that's your um your expertise coming in because you just present you just present the facts and you go, you, you guys yeah. can, you can decide. Um, sometimes take... they're very, they're mm-hmm. very uncomfortable facts sometimes, but they're still facts. And I mean, we, one has to decide whether he wants to face them or not. Then this is, you know, I leave it up to everybody, to, to each single person to decide whether you want to deal with them or not. And I don't push any conclusion on my films. I, I, I make a particular effort not to push towards any conclusion. Exactly. And that's, well, that's why they're, they're so powerful. Really, they're absolutely powerful because it sinks in. And, and let's just talk about because as, as a whole, all of the films that you have done, um, either on their own, you know, the true history of marijuana, the new American century, cancer, the forbidden cures, UFOs and the military elite. Ooh, we get into that. The second oh, yeah. Dallas. And, um, and of course, uh, American moon, your latest, um, film that you did. Um, it, there's something that happens to people. Um, I, is it cognitive dissonance? Is that the phrase where something is so um, overwhelming and against our own nature of what we would, you know, what we would do as 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 human beings, as as citizens of this country or citizens of the world, um, that we would, you know, we would never um, harm people or purposely. Um, harm people for profit or for political gain or power so it's sometimes it's hard for people to even you know it's like oh no nobody would do this nobody (laughs) who would who on earth would do this um but you have a very interesting perspective on that would you mind sharing that with our listeners yeah um you know i went i myself went through that exact phase that you just described i remember exactly the moment it was about 2002 i was starting to discovered the internet pretty much 
And I ended up on a French website that was suggesting that uh, 9-11 was actually an inside job. And I remember my exact gut reaction was, oh, please, come on. Americans would never do this to themselves. This is a very, very natural, very understandable reaction because we, I mean, normal people, in fact, would never do this to anybody, not only to ourselves, but to anybody. The problem is that you need, we need to understand that sometimes you're not dealing with actually normal people. This is the problem. Mm -hmm. And this is the hard part. If you judge people by your own parameters, then nothing of this should have ever happened. Because we are all basically decent, honest people who want everybody else's wellness. But it's when, when you start thinking about some of these people who are actually, I would say, different from us. They don't really have any empathy for, for, for humans they look at their own goal, and it doesn't matter. I mean, to people like this, 3,000 sailors dead in, in, in Pearl Harbor, it's collateral damage. Or 3,000 people dead in, in the Twin Towers is collateral damage. Of course, if they could avoid it, they would have. But I'm not even sure they would, because those 3,000 people were actually necessary, those victims, to... To, to launch uh, war. Action. Go, go ahead. It was necessary to launch a war because there would be Absolutely. righteous indignation. Absolutely. They were right. You, you have to ignite the the indignation mechanism, and that can only be done with with at some cost. Exactly. So, how, so basically, yes, this was the hard part for me. I mean, even the moon. Look at this. On the, I was born on uh, July 20, nineteen fifty four, and the moon landing took place allegedly on July 20, nineteen sixty nine. So I was turning fifteen that night. Not only that, but on that very evening, while everybody in, in the little town on the beachside where I was, was watching the, with their eyes glued to the television, I kissed a girl for the first time in my life. So that night for me had been, for the entire part of my youth, the most important event that ever happened to me because I thought basically the stars were telling me, you are the one, you're the, you know, you're the center of the universe. This is all happening for you. I mean, this is the way I felt. <laughs> right. So just imagine what I went through when I ended up looking at those pictures on the moon with, with the eyes of, of, of a professional photographer, which I had become in the meantime, I, I had to really tear myself apart to make the effort to face the facts and not just seek refuge in, into the, the dream that, that it was. So I understand that, that many, many people are not willing and not ready to go uh, through that path. And that's perfectly fine. This is why I don't force, I don't like to force the conclusions in my films. Because I understand that everybody needs to, has to be entitled to have their own escape route if they want to. You can still say, oh, no, no, no. Uh, I mean, even <laughs> the funny part is that even the photographers I interviewed in, in the film, they actually tell me that, you know, yeah, of course, these pictures cannot have been taken on, on the moon. They must have been taken on Earth with artificial lights and all that. But I still believe we went to the moon. One of them told me. <laughs> so I had the proof in my, in, in my own, in, in front of me. The same person who was telling me that those pictures were impossible on the moon was still wanted to believe that we went to the moon. So, yes, it's perfectly understandable. It's part of human nature and it needs to be respected. Well, because it is over, it is uh, absolutely overwhelming. And when, when it's put all together, when these documentaries, too, if it's just one thing on its own, you know, it is pretty overwhelming. One of my, my favorite documentaries of yours is The New American Century. And right. because you lay out... Um, that there is a plan 
and it's not some secret plan per se. I mean, who knows what else what else is being brewed underneath? But the um, was it the project for a new new American century? This was a plan that when if you look back at it now. They've checked off a lot of the box. They've ticked a lot of the boxes off. But can you let our listeners know um, a little bit about the the project for a new American century yeah, and what was... what the goal was um, and how far along they are? How far along? That's a, that's a, the hard part of the question. Yeah, uh, the, the document was published in the year two thousand, so one year before nine uh, eleven, and it basically outlined what needed to happen for the military to regain their military superiority in the world, which at that point they, they really wanted to, to improve and uh, to multiply their budget by uh, tenfold at least because they, they felt they didn't have enough uh, budget. And it's, it's written uh, black and white. It's written, we need a new Pearl Harbor in order to uh, uh, trigger a complete change in, in, in the politics and in the military budget and in the war. So... You can, you can say that the event of 9-11, which was, by the way, was called a new Pearl Harbor by many, was just a coincidence. But then if you start looking at all, at all the details, it, it turns out that it was just exactly part of the plan as it was planned. Yes. And there are certain countries that, they, that are listed on this document. Oh, yes. Right? Well, not only, and not only in that document, they keep making lists and, and they keep uh, adjourning the list. For example, in a list by, uh, I think it was denounced by General Wesley Clark, Clark uh, already 10 years ago, you had on the list uh, countries like Libya and Syria, which at that time did not present any problems at all. And lo and behold, suddenly they become a problem. And then we have to go in and solve it. And uh, and, and again, like you said, this is the, the visible part. I mean, God knows what's really the hidden agenda, because we only get to see what is necessary for us to see in order to support whatever war action wants to be undertaken. But I, I, I really, I don't know if I would have the courage to really look at what the actual plans are, because I would be too scared probably to look at them. Well, the, the, it's like a laundry list of, of hits. You know, there's um, Afghanistan, Iraq, which which they, you know, they solved. And the whole, the whole uh destruction and, uh, and, and bombing of Iraq was wrapped up and they even utilized 9-11. It was at a certain point, I think it was 70% or something of Americans oh. believed that Saddam Hussein had something to do yes. with 9-11. Yes. And he had nothing to do with it. Um, was he a bad cat? Yeah, he, but he was our bad cat. We, you know, we, <laughs> we supported him for many years. Absolutely. So, uh, well, uh, yeah, the propaganda, the strength of the propaganda is really shown in that film because, at, you know, you get to a point where most Americans, as you said, 70 percent was convinced that uh, Saddam had to do with, with 9-11. So it was pretty justified to go into Iraq as well. And actually, I remember the phase where we were only in Afghanistan and some of the neocons were pushing about Iran, uh, Iraq, sorry. And they said, well, now it's Iraq. You know, it's Iraq's turn, Iraq's turn. But they did not have the connection to go there. They quickly made it up and uh, it worked. It worked because when the media is all one-sided and they all, all the media tells you the same story from morning to night, I mean, what are you going to do? You're going to have to listen to them. You cannot. Oh, it's. I mean, yeah, the it's... average citizen cannot just start searching on the Internet for alternative 
voices every day. You have to you have to trust basically what your your broadcasters tell you. Well, it's mass hypnosis as well. If you have every single person that's on the cameras talking about mushroom cloud, the mushroom cloud that Saddam's going to unleash, the mushroom cloud, it gets repeated, yeah. repeated. It's a mantra, and after a while, everybody believes it. It believes it. So then they're going to be all for, um, you know, the invasion and 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 the bombing, which uh, left so much so much devastation it still does and tying that into um something that um a lot of our younger uh, listeners may not know about but uh you have and i think this is also in the new american century um you have reference to the gulf of tonkin and uh it was what robert mcnamara was he the um the, the secretary of defense yes he was and he actually before he died he admitted on camera that the actual incident of the Gulf of Tonkin in 1964 never happened. Yes, I mean, you have it on mean, yeah. words. Yeah, <laughs> it's just we got it, uh, we know, got, we got like it wrong. Is what he 60, said. Sixty thousand soldiers who died in Vietnam, and say, well, excuse me, why the hell did I have to go there if this never happened? Because it was made up. Yet I have a chapter in the New American Century where I cover all the wars that America uh, used. Uh, sorry, that started with a. A lie. Some kind of, <laughs> some kind of uh, trigger episode that wasn't really true. It starts back in 1898 with the war with Cuba, when uh, uh, an American ship was sunk, uh, allegedly by the Spanish, but it was not, in fact, in, in front of Cuba. That started the Spanish-American war for the conquest of Cuba. And 80 years later, we, we learned that there was never such an attack from the Spanish. It was our own basically who did it self-inflicted right to go to yeah then you have to go to uh, world war one and you have the sinking of the lusitania which triggered would help uh, the president to, to trigger the entry into war of the united states in world war one that also was set up by by the americans we only discover 50 years later then you have of course the big one which is pearl harbor which now we know historically with there are actual uh, documents that says that roosevelt uh, wrote to 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 the chiefs of staff to saying we should not react we want them to attack first don't do anything don't move basically sit there and wait for this for that for them to strike um then we have the gulf of Tonkin in 1964 which helped start the the vietnam war then you have the first iraqi war in, in 1990, oh, yeah. uh, which was also started by a trick, basically. Uh, Cheney, who was then Secretary of Defense, Dick Cheney, uh, uh, fooled uh, Saddam Hussein into attacking Kuwait, letting him know that they would, the Americans would be okay with it. And as soon as he fell into the trap, they went. we went to save Kuwait. And while we were there, we attacked Iraq as well. Uh, it's always the same. It's always the same dynamics. And as you say, once you start looking at the larger picture, and then you look at what's what's going on today with Iran. That's when it gets scary because the tactics are the same, the antics are the same. The, the times change, but people seem not to learn. But there's something different about this. Where I mean, I'm I'm going on just just, just on social media, and I'm not seeing a lot of you know, um, okay, American flags, and yeah, we need to. Uh, you know, that that patriotic nationalism kind of feeling about, yeah, we need to go and kick, you know, Iran's butt kind of thing. <laughs> but w what it is, is like even people who are who are um, supporters of the president, they're like, uh, not so much. It seems like I mean, this one, they're going to have a hard time. They're going to they're going to keep doing whatever they want to do, but they're going to have a harder time mobilizing the public to to support it, I believe. 
I hope so. I hope so. I mean, I hope that the lessons from the past help in some way, because otherwise, every every time we start from square one again, sometimes it's like having this voice in the back that tells you what you actually have to see, and yeah. you see oh, what yeah. the voice is telling you. Yes. People get it. People are people. They are. They're getting it now. If they have the wherewithal to to really speak up, or if we're living in a world where it's like, oh, I better not say that, you know, that the, you know, u- Uncle Uncle Pete is, is, is <laughs> you know, is doing something really bad that he shouldn't, if, 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 if people have that kind of strength, but at least, at, at least the, like the films that you, that you produce, give people that, a, a little bit of that knowledge and, and ability so that they can talk to others and go, no, 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 this has happened before. This has happened here. This has happened there. This has happened with the Gulf of, Gulf of Tonkin. With the, the Gulf of Tonkin to me is one of the, when, when I see in uh, the New American Century, when I see um, McNamara actually on camera admitting, you know, well, we, the whole Gulf of Tonkin thing, we got it wrong. And the idea that however many was, what did you say, 60,000 U.S. Uh, 60,000 U.S. troops and 3 million Vietnamese three, died. For 3 that million. Mistake. Yeah. <laughs> 3 million people died needlessly. And they're still suffering from the, the Agent Orange oh. and from the destruction. But 3 million people, human beings, children, mothers, grandparents, the, the thought of three million of any kind of life form being wiped off the planet would be an outrage, and it should have been front page news, and everybody should have just right then and there checked, uh, checked, checked that that military industrial complex and said, "How dare you?" And yet well, it was just kind of oh, one day, you know, it was here one day, and then wiped away, and then nobody nobody talked about it. So the films that you do are really important, I think, for people to have that dialogue instead of just saying, mm, "I just I have a gut feeling that." They're not. They're not telling us the truth. They can actually use these films, these documentaries, and say, "No, I can point to here's the case. Here's the case. Here's a repeated case. Here, 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 here." So that's the, fact, the power of it. I have to say, I, I don't sell millions of, of of DVDs, but those that sell get duplicated a lot. They have my my uh, blessing. I mean, anybody who buys them can duplicate. And I hear from a lot of people who buy one DVD and say. I made 20 copies, 30 copies. I gave them to all my friends. So that's really the, the part that makes me more happy. Oh, that's brilliant. To see this message going around and discussions happening. And again, you don't have to agree with me on everything. But at least to have an honest and open discussion on, on such important issues, I think it's absolutely fundamental. And you did something so key there because you're empowering people to have the ability to burn copies and to make as many as they want to hand out freely. So whatever and whatever subject matter they're they're passionate about, if it's the true history of marijuana. And let me tell you, my friend, you were way ahead of the curve on this documentary and on on bringing this issue up, because since then, since this film has has come out, um, well, of course, in California, there's the legalization of not only medical marijuana, but recreational marijuana. Um, and the there's this, the explosion of CBD, either with small amounts of THC to it or no THC in it, but just the um, the the CBD and the cannabinoid system. You were like one of the first to get that out into the world um, about the 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 conspiracy that the big pharma and and certain folks in the uh, political spectrum wanted to keep this suppressed, this incredible medicine. 
um, that we were built for, that we have the cannabinoid systems within us. So it was your work that actually helped get that out. And it's because you make these available for people to make copies of and, and to share them with family and friends that really, um, you know, it spreads the information. So thank you so much for doing that. And you were, you were way ahead of the curve on the true history of marijuana. I mean, Wow. Well, the idea of, of this fact that uh, this was really shocking for, my, for me, too, when I was actually making the film, to find out that the human body has an exact same system, which is actually called endocannabinoids, so endo means inside, uh, which is a duplicate. And can act, we have all the receptors for, for the cannabis cannabinoids. It was shocking in itself because it means that, that, that whatever it's in that plant is meant to work in... in, in uh, in harmony with with our body not all of it of course as, as you mentioned cbd is one thing thc is another but uh, in general cannabinoids and the receptors in the body seems to be to be built for each other there's something magic there that was really fascinating for me oh and then you and then also you cover the um uh, the the other reason why it was labeled such as a wicked weed um was because the the unbelievable um uh how you can make products out of it, how you can make paper and, and um, fabric, and you wouldn't have to cut down all of these trees. It's just, it's literally a miracle uh, plant on what it can do and and how it could have, how it could have helped us out through so much of our, of our, um, of our growing up as a country, so to speak. But um, well, it's, it's covered in that in the film, in the true history of marijuana as well. Yes. If, if you go back a hundred years ago in, in the 1930s, you had this, flourishing industry based on cannabis mm -hmm. uh, you have this flourishing industry based on cannabis and uh, for anybody who wants to to take over that industry and replace it with 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 the uh, chemical industry or with chemical medicines or with uh, the artificial fabrics for example you have to get rid of the plant there's this no, it's the was the biggest enemy and the only way to get rid of the plant is to demonize it yeah, uh, the, the history of what happened is it's really interesting. It, I think that, like you said, all the films uh, deal with different subjects, but they all have one thing in common, which is the great lies of history. The fact that in each of these cases, we have been told a big lie in order to cover an uncomfortable truth. And nothing says that uh, uh, stronger than cancer, the forbidden cures, because we all know someone who has, uh, we've all had someone in our family or our friends who have been subjected to cancer and who have, who have either um, had a long battle with it or who have passed. I recently lost a dear, dear friend of mine who had um, a very rare kind of uh, form of cancer. And the only thing available, um, again, only thing available to to him uh, was the was conventional medicine that would be covered, um, that would be taken care of. But in Cancer, the Forbidden Cures, you also tap into a bit about um, uh, medical marijuana and the, and the CBD. But there's a lot of other um, uh, uh, cures that people have, they have uh, used, they have used these different modalities and they have reversed the cancer. And yet again, we're told that the only thing that really works is um, what? Um, radiation, well, chemotherapy, surgery, chemotherapy. And surgery, the three main uh, yeah, avenues, yeah. the only avenues that you're offered. And in fact, two of them are carcinogenic. <laughs> this is the funny part. <laughs> right. I, mean, I know. I know. It's actually carcinogenic. And in chemotherapy, you can even read it in the, in the little uh, leaflets, in the inserts. 
this product may cause cancer to humans. Well, why the hell are you giving this to me? I already have cancer. I want to get rid of it. Right. This is a paradox. It's a paradox. But, you know, the, the, the pharmaceutical industry is extremely, extremely powerful. I'm actually working now on a, on a new documentary on, on vaccines because here in Italy, we have a big problem with uh, compulsory, with mandatory vaccinations. Um, they've suddenly woke up one day and imposed uh, 10 mandatory vaccinations for kids to go to school mm. all over the country. It's been a bit, there's been a violent reaction on, on that. And, and we're right in the middle of the fight right now. Also and again, I, I find out how powerful uh, the pharmaceutical companies are in terms of propaganda. Basically, all the journalists, all the TV anchors, all the TV programs, they're all on one side. Uh, vaccines are safe. Uh, the the, 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 the no-vax people are just crazy lunatics. They don't understand safety and all that. And there's absolutely no dialogue, no, no conversation, which, should, would, which there should be, because this is a matter of, of health and safety for everybody. But there isn't. And and I don't know if you have um, if you have that there in Italy, but in different parts of the world, you know, including here, they're they're ramping up also the making it mandatory for young people to have the HPV vaccine. And then I had just actually just looked up. I just went on YouTube and saw just so many testimonials of of um if well if the if the young girls especially if they were alive um but yes. the the ones that have been completely permanently uh, disabled um their whole health completely wrecked they 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 will never be the same or their their parents and the parents saying oh my god you know um I should have never done that. Yes. Yeah, and they well, don't. Again, they trust the doctors. They trust the schools. They trust um, the you know they, they they trust the governments that say that this is something that your ch- child has to have, and they play the scare tactics too about you might get um, you know this is to prevent HPV, um, the cancer and everything, and and so people are really kind of pushed into it. But the amount of girls um, that are yes. that are affected by this. It's just it's just unbelievable. It's it's so it's so painful to even think about. Here here in Italy too, I've interviewed uh, quite a few of them, and they just cannot have a regular life anymore. They just cannot go on out and have fun with their friends. They have complete, complete continuously under stress. They weak. They're they they have tremors. They have all kinds of uh, uh, of uh, situations that they don't allow them to to live a regular life. And now they're even trying to starting to push uh, HPV for boys. Because well, you know, since, fi- because... since this is sexually transmitted, could be sexually transmitted theoretically. Well, it, then of uh... course, let's just you know take care of it from at the root, and let's also vaccinate the boys. And it's and huge that... profits for the the, the pharmaceutical, which I think are like only one or two companies that in the world that make it, and they they're making yeah, a killing. Gardasil is made by Merck, and the other one, there's two of them, I think. Yeah. Uh, but they you know they they share the world. Uh, Pretty peacefully, there's big companies. They don't have a problem competing with each other, right? Because they're all on the same page, basically, in terms of repressing doctors. I don't know in the states, but here, any doctor would only uh, raise a doubt, and I'm talking about a doubt, okay, uh, against the safety of of some vaccines, gets immediately uh, kicked out of the uh, medical uh, association. You can no longer practice. Oh yeah, we no, have, we have we, we have at least yeah. one a day that gets kicked out just for having objected to the absolute safety mantra that that's uh, imperative right now 
But then there's then there's the oh, the government's own database of, because um, and here's the other thing you can't sue the vaccine manufacturers personally. You cannot sue them if they kill you or they dismember you. Or they you know disable you. You can't sue them. You have to go through this whole government agency. And there's yes. billions and billions of dollars um, in these uh, lawsuits because their um, their family members have been injured or killed from the vaccines so it's but it's it's all right there yet there's the mantra that you know it's okay it's okay and here in here i don't know about you about about uh what's going on there but there is a sudden huge rash of naturopathic physicians and um alternative physicians who have raised doubts about not just uh, not just about vaccines but other um, other things that are that go on within in the medical world um, they've mysteriously um, committed suicide or mm. been you know hit by a car or it's just it just seems quite unfortunate if you're a naturopathic physician or someone who stands up against what we're being told you um, you you meet an untimely demise and that yeah. to me is shocking well, that's actually a message being sent to everyone else. You know, stay quiet, do your job, don't don't raise your head. Yeah, keep uh, do writing your prescriptions, and you'll be fine. It's it's really a, a terroristic situation in a way. This I know many doctors who, in private, will tell me, you know, look, I I, I know exactly what the risks can be, and they're much higher than what we're told. But I cannot even think of uh, voicing this loudly because I would lose my license immediately. Wow. And that's understandable. I mean, they, they have to uh, have a career. And that's you can't just crazy. Think, unless they all got together at, at, at one point, which I don't think it'll ever happen, it, it's going to be always like that. They, they take them out one by one and until everybody just shuts up. That's crazy. Oh. <laughs> we were supposed to be happy, Christina. We're, we're turning very gloomy in this conversation. Well, it's intense because we're talking. We are talking about the great lies of history, and and you know, I don't like to be lied to, Massimo. <laughs> I don't. Well, you know, sometimes uh, Mark Twain said uh, something of the opposite. He said, "It's very easy to lie to people. It's much. It's much more difficult." to convince them that they have been lied to. Mm. In other words, most people like, uh, you know, once they swallow the lie, they don't want to be told that they were fooled. Right. And so they'll defend. Right. Oh, my gosh. That's so true. The ego steps in and, and, and yeah. as well. And what, what was it? Me? What are you talking about? You know? Yeah. Me? Well, so in... In Nazi Germany, you know, there was like little rumors going around about like, hey, you know, that might be, you know, rounding up people and, you know, this thing might be going on. And and the local Germans were like, hey, we've got great train system. We are on time with the trains. We must be doing a lot of, you know, you know, transporting of goods. And we got great trains, you know. it Again, it's that cognitive dissonance. It's like it's too crazy of an idea. It's too yeah. it's too outside of our minds to deal with it. So we just kind of uh, just say it doesn't exist. No, that's not happening. It is also actually there's also another great quotation. This is by uh, Marshall McLuhan. He said, uh, "Small secrets are the hardest ones to keep. For the big ones, people's incredulity will always be sufficient." Mm. In other words, it's your own "oh come on" that will protect the lie from from being exposed, because right. you yourself have this barrier that says "oh come on," which is again I admitted it before is it's it's what I felt 
the first time I heard about 9-11 and the possibility of an inside job, my instinct gut reaction was, oh, come on, please get out of here. Then you have, you're faced with a choice. Either you look at the facts and you're ready to accept them or you just steer away from them and turn a blind, a blind eye to it. Those are the choices that we can make. Well, but it's living in denial or, mm-hmm. you know, living in your Disneyland world, which a lot of people would prefer because yeah. life is demanding already, right? You got the kids, you got your work, you got things you got to do. It's like, oh, no, you're not going to, no, I got yeah. I got to stop and think and worry about this and like protest or, you know, I got yeah. I to gotta do that too. Um, but the, the, the idea is just at least for people to be, and this is what I want people from all political spectrums, right? From, from, from both sides of the aisle, so to speak, is to be open to at least, um, hearing the information. And then again, they can make their decision. I never, I I don't ever try and tell people how to think or what to think, but at least to look at, um, uh, to to look at here's the official account and then here are some people documents um reports that might counter that and would you take a look at that and i think that's a great place to be well if you're ready to look at that yes absolutely because that's that's really what what we're all about is about finding out and if we if we come to the world and we want to live with preconceived ideas and we're comfortable with them Okay, but fine. Basically, we're wasting one one life cycle, and we'll have to come back and learn from scratch whatever we missed the first time. That's I'm very convinced of that. Mm. One area that uh, in one of the documentaries in the Great Lies of History, um, there's like a multiple DVD set that you have. One of them is something that people will um, it, it instantly like like push off. And because, again, this is outside of our scope so much uh, is UFOs and the military elite. And when you talk about UFOs, because anyone who mentions UFOs or mentions um, extraterrestrial, you know, life forms, they're immediately, you know, shunned. Oh, my gosh, you're one of those type thing. And this is something that for I mean, since the beginning of time has been documented, right? I mean, there's there's cave drawings of like little saucers and spaceships. This is something that's been going on a long, long, long time. But um, and if anybody has ever had or witnessed um, something like this, uh, strange stuff happens to them too. And you you've got this uh, in this documentary, UFOs and the military elite. Can you let yeah, our listeners I, know a little bit about that? Yeah. Actually, in in that documentary, I wanted to stop short of. Uh, looking at the alien form of life. Uh, I mostly looked at what the, what the military has done in the last 50, 50 years to cover up what they know. Mm-hmm. And that's plenty enough to tell you that there is a lot that we're not told. And of course, that leads you only to one conclusion, that we're not alone in this world, that, that we have been visited and are being visited by alien life. But I cannot, I do not reach that conclusion in the film. All I do is put together all the testimonies of basically all military people, so absolutely credible witnesses. And once you see all these testimonies together, and especially once you see what, in each case, the military has done in order to suppress that kind of of, uh, information, then you know by default that there is something else out there that we are not told about. It's it's obvious. There was actually a series, I don't know if you have, probably you you had it in America too, because it's an American series. It's called um, Project Blue Book. 
the TV series, mm-hmm. I think the 12 episode series. And it actually tells the story, the very interesting angle, the story of the, of the man who was, uh, his name was Hayek, I think. He was sent out in the 50s and 60s to debunk all his, his actual duty was to debunk whatever came up, whatever uh, people thought they saw, he would come in with an actual explanation. Oh, no, it was swamp gas. It was, it was a weather balloon. Lights reflected mm-hmm. in the sky. It was this and this and that. This mm-hmm. was his job. His name is Hayek. And actually, this, the, the, this TV series, Project Blue Book, looks at his own life and how he actually totally <laughs> believed what, it, what the reports were saying. In other words, it separates the public person who had to lie, but right. it clearly tells you that all the things that he was telling was a lie. Right. So he himself lives in, into this uh, dichotomy where and on one side he's absolutely convinced that we're experiencing something absolutely external from our civilization. And on the other one, he is forced, because that's his job, to lie to, to his own uh, the people, the other citizens, and tell them, oh, no, this was just a, a, a swamp gas light or was a light reflected in the sky or was bird hit by the light. I mean, stupidest things that they could, they could come up with. And also what you said before about being ridiculed is interesting because at the same time, you know, the, the automatic reaction, the, the, the knee-jerk reaction to the idea of alien life and UFOs is, oh, yeah, yeah, well, you're one of those. Actually, if you look at the film, it, it shows what it was called the, the Robertson panel in the 50s. It actually established and it was sent out to all the media already in the 50s. And it said exactly that from now on. Every media in the country, every major media outlet in the country will have to um, use the ridicule in order to dismiss any possible ideas of alien life. Wow. So whenever you're, you're looking at a, a people <laughs> reacting at you with, with a smile, what they're actually doing is falling a victim. They're victims of the propaganda that has been teaching us to do that since the 1950s. It's called the Robertson Robertson panel. It's a very, very interesting document. So people can look that up. The Robertson panel, and yeah. in, in as well as people looking at the project for a I new American century. The first time in history that the word debunking comes up of in an official document. Wow. It says from now on, you in the media, you will debunk all possible ideas of foreign life and, and foreign visitations by using the ridicule. Wow. Oh, my gosh. So, so people out there, next time you actually have this uh, knee-jerk reaction and somebody says aliens and you go, ha-ha, before you laugh, think twice because you might have been conditioned to have that kind of reaction yourself. Exactly. What have we been conditioned? We, Oh, my gosh. We've been... Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I love the work you do because it does. It really makes us think. Um, and then let's talk about... Well, let's talk a little bit more about the uh, latest documentary that you've, you've uh, just come out with, American Moon. Now, this is... Um, the subtitle is 50 Years of Public Debate on the Lunar Landings. And now most people will go, well, Massimo... Uh, we went to the moon because we saw the pictures and um and 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 we've been reiterating for so long um you know that historic uh day and the flag waving on the moon <laughs> which i want which i want to get to cuz i think somebody had mentioned it too and i don't know if it was in the, your film or uh, it might have been in your in your film um uh, about like Something about the fact that anything waving on the moon, that there's not that kind of, there's not wind there or there's no, something. there's no atmosphere. Of there's course, no atmosphere. Any, right, because that's why you have to wear the helmets, right? 
<laughs> that's <laughs> theoretically why you have to wear the helmet. Yeah. If you see somebody taking the helmet off and, and taking a puff from a cigar, he's not, he's not on the moon, that's for sure. Right. Now, now, the, the idea of the flags waving is a very controversial issue because uh, in most of the videos from, from, the, from the moon missions, you have this flag waving, but the astronaut is touching the, 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 the flagpole. So you can never tell whether it's the, the, the flag is waving because there's actually wind. Or if he's uh, shaking it. He's right. touching the flagpole. But there's, there's three instances of which two I have found. Uh, there was only one before my documentary. Now there are three because I found two more instances in which nobody's touching uh, the flag. The astronauts are quite a few feet away. And still when they go by or they move, and in, in one case they're not even there, the flag moves by itself. That indicates that there is air on the set and therefore that we are on, on, on Earth and not on the moon. But the, see, the, the, the arguments pro and con, having gone to the moon, are quite complicated. I divided in the film in three parts. I, first, I show all the proof in favor of the moon landing. So I, I wanted to give that room to those who claim that we went to NASA. Analyze them one by one. The moon rocks, for example, is one big proof that's usually brought in favor of the moon landings. Another one is the, the, the laser reflector that's allegedly on the surface of the moon that beams back a laser that you can beam at the moon. Mm -hmm. There's a few of those. Uh, then there's the, the technical proof against, uh, for example, the difficulty of crossing the Van Allen belts with all the radioactivity and all that. And then the third part is the photography. And that's, that's where I really come into, into the, the game because, I, as I said, I was a photographer myself for, for more than 20 years. I actually was working in the States for good magazines like Glamour, Seventeen, Mademoiselle. So that was pretty good. I mean, I knew my trade and I was actually using at the time the same cameras, the same exact film that NASA used for their pictures. So wow. I know exactly what that film can do and cannot do. But because I am a conspiracy theorist, quote unquote, I didn't, you know, I wasn't content with my own opinion. So what I did when I looked at the NASA pictures again in about the year 2000, when, when NASA put them all online, I was able to download them in high definition. I looked at them and I said, oh, my God, this, this is artificial light. It's not the sun. But because of my own nature, I wanted to make sure. So I called up one of the photographers who's, uh, whose assistant I was, and a very, very famous one, good one, name is Olivero Toscani. He's done, in the States, he's done a campaign for Benetton and many more. Anyway, I called him up and says, Olivero, how you doing? Blah, blah, blah. What, what did you think the first time you saw the, the Apollo pictures? And what he told me, and I quote him literally, said, I thought that had they asked me to do them, I would have done a much better job. <laughs> so this is from somebody who actually, you know, had nothing to do with the moon hoax theory. Then I said, oh, my God, here I have to move. I have to go and interview some of these major, major photographers. And it took me, the whole film took three years to make, two of which was chasing down these photographers all over the world until I could get at least, at least five of them. Of the, I'm, I'm talking about top, top, top photographers in the world. Uh, one is Peter Lindbergh, for example, the guy who invented the so-called supermodels in the 90s, Sidney Crawford, uh, Cindy Crawford, Linda Evangelista, all of those. I mean, this kind of guys. These guys know their trade. And they were all around already in the 70s, which is important because they know the same lighting techniques, the same cameras that were available at the time. Yeah. And they all tell me the same exact thing. They say, well, I don't know if we went to the moon or not, but these pictures are taken with artificial lights. There's no way you could do these pictures just with the sunlight and in, in a single source situation like the moon. 
period. And there's your so biggest, yeah, there's your biggest uh, issue with that. There, I mean, there's 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 the whole wrench that's thrown in it. Peter Lindbergh on the, uh, well, I was, I'm looking at, at the, the uh, literature that's with American Moon, and you, you quote Peter Lindbergh saying, these pictures are 100% fake. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, 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 it doesn't mince words with it. You know, he looks at them and says, look, I know because he knows the, the film that we used, uh, the, the ectochrome film was extremely, extremely difficult. You could not have any latitude at all on that film. And suddenly in these pictures, you have so much light coming from everywhere. And there's only a single source. I mean, us as photographers, we would have dreamt to have so much light coming from everywhere with a single light source. It would have been fantastic, but we had to bring assistance, extra lights, reflectors, panels, everything in order to get that kind of lighting. So why didn't the astronauts need the same? Of course they did. Because they're special, Massimo. <laughs> <laughs> they have the American because they're American and they're the best. Because they're the yes. Americans. Yay. <laughs> there is one thing I have to say. If, yeah. and again, if we did not go to the moon, I really feel sorry for those astronauts because if my my hypothesis not only mine but the moon hoax hypothesis is true i really feel for those people because they were true heroes they were not half heroes they these guys are people who who were willing to put their life at risk at any given time for the progress of science and just imagining what they had to go through if one day they were told you know what you're gonna have to fake it there's no way we can do this for real it, it must have been awful. I mean, I feel so sorry for them every time I look at them. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's terrible what they have had to go through if my idea is, is true that, they, that we didn't go to the moon. Well, and your film is, is um, also a, another important angle is that you're, and, I mean, and since then, obviously, we have, we have some certain technology to, um, obviously, our, our, the science and, and everything has, um, has increased from that time. But you also do the background um, about the whole space war, you know, the whole race to space and the Russians versus America and, and the, you know, the promise to get to the moon and the pressure that that was um, that, that we were under for that to to also establish, you know, to establish dominance uh, in that field. And so it's very I mean, it's just a very compelling documentary. How long? It's over three hours. So you it's, cover a lot, my friend. Yes, it's three and a half hours, actually. The part of the Russians was actually interesting for me as a discovery because I discovered that the Russians never really tried to go to the moon. <laughs> this is another big surprise that, that, that came looking at the official documentation. It, or or uh, let's be more precise. At up to a certain point in 1965, they, they, they maybe tried. They were building rockets to possibly go. But these rockets kept exploding. They were so complicated and so impossible to put together that they just gave up. And expensive. So basically, yeah. the United States was not racing the, the Soviets uh, to the moon anymore. It was racing themselves because by then, by 1966, 1967, they told everybody. Yeah, I promised the whole world we're gonna go to the moon. <laughs> you couldn't just back up, back off from that from that promise. Don't. So my idea, my my conviction is that they got to a point around 1968 that they realized that technically they could not make it because of the many many problems I describe in the film. But at that time, also they had put together a such a sophisticated uh, simulation system that I could actually simulate then an entire mission to the moon and back without leaving Earth. So I can just imagine how natural it must have been to make the transition. Somebody must have said, you know what, guys? Okay, we're not going to make it, but we cannot tell the world we're not going to make it. So 
Let's use the simulators. They're identical to what we expect to get out there. And we can reproduce the entire mission from, from liftoff or from orbit all the way to, to translunar injection and back. We can all do that in the studio. And it looks going to look exactly the same. In fact, people don't know what the real thing looks like. So right. This is, <laughs> right. is going to be the new standard. And, and <laughs> this is it. This is what the moon looks like. Nobody can argue with that. But they weren't expecting Massimo Mazzucco to come around 50 years later and look at the lighting and go, no. <laughs> Massimo, well, you know. Massimo Mazzucco, I could go on and out for hours and hours with you talking about this. Um, but uh, we are out of time for the, for the show. But I just want to thank you so much. And um, I'm going to just mention just a couple of the films again it's um, uh, oh my gosh uh, the subject matter has been the great lies of history but uh, he has documentaries that the true history of marijuana the new American century cancer the forbidden cures UFOs and the military elite the second Dallas who killed RFK and of course uh, his latest um, documentary just out American moon 50 years of public debate on the lunar landings thank you so very much Massimo Mazzucco and um, if people want to find out more about you and get in touch with you how do how do they where do they go well you would go to my website which uh, you know when they came up with that name i never thought i would be spelling it for an american audience <laughs> so <laughs> i'm gonna spell it twice if you want to grab and i'll pen. put it in yeah and i'll i'll, I'll have the link oh, you, in this you can put it maybe on, on your website but go ahead and say it anyway, i like it when you say it it's luogocomune.net which spells l-u-o-g-o-c-o-m-u-n-e net and there's contact form and everything but if anybody's interested in my films they're available on on amazon us uh, and so also the american moon is also available now on uh, vimeo on demand brilliant so, so they can go to amazon if and you're interested you can find it very easily yes ah uh, thank again, you again if you buy the dvd you're free to make as many copies as you want and and please uh uh, go to your friends and 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 make it for for a bad bad weekend for them. <laughs> you got them thinking, and I'm not sure they're gonna like you after that. The next family gathering. Hey, yes, kids. Exactly. By the way, look, <laughs> I got this for you guys. <laughs> Oh, my God. I love and adore you, Massimo Mazzucco. Thank you again so very much for joining us. I really thank you, love. Christine. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you. And I want to thank you, wonderful listeners, for tuning in this week. If you would like to share this program, which I'm sure you would, you can share the YouTube video. That's the easiest way to do it. You can share the YouTube video in your social media, in emails. That's fine. You can subscribe to this program on uh, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Podbean, uh, you can subscribe to the YouTube channel as well and, um, and and share this information like Massimo was saying and get the get the DVDs and make as many copies as you can. Also want to um, let you know about a brand new program that I'm launching at AccelerateYourDreams.com That's AccelerateYourDreams.com Check it out. There's some workshops and webinars that I'm just now starting with some amazing master teachers in health, wellness, uh, business, overcoming all kinds of obstacles and it's a really wonderful platform. So you can check that out at AccelerateYourDreams.com Until next time, as always, I want to remind you to stay outside of that damn box. Bye for now.